Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. I trust that you have been putting into practice the truths that you have learned from his word, knowing that you are but a humble slave and he is your Lord and master. We must never forget that truth and we must live in light of it. Now today I've got an episode for you that is kind of in observation of one of the major cultural holidays that we celebrate in the United States, and that is Father's Day. And I find it, I have to be honest, I find it quite ironic that we celebrate Father's Day in the United States. And here's, here's why it's ironic. We celebrate this day. This day is supposed to be about honoring dads. This day is supposed to be about uh, considering and thinking about the good things that a dad brings to the family. And yet, and yet, there is a large percentage of our society that grows up fatherless. My understanding is that in the black community, approximately 70% of the households do not have a father figure living in the home. Hispanic communities are probably the best in the United States. White communities are approaching near 50%. 50% of families don't have a father living in the home. And so it's really ironic to me that we have this day celebrating dads, but by, to a large extent, there are not dads living in homes with their wives and their children. The percentage of true nuclear families has only gone downwards in America. It was probably at its heyday 100 years ago or more, but now it is really tanking and cratering. And so I find it ironic that a culture that has basically promoted the demise of fatherhood wants to send advertisements and run sales and have this faux celebration for the fathers in one's life. I think all of this that I've mentioned speaks to a greater problem that we face, and it is, again, a problem that is a spiritual problem not necessarily, or not just a, a physiological problem. Okay, the spiritual problem is that Satan has convinced the large majority of people in the West, and specifically Americans, Satan has convinced them that fathers are optional. Fathers are optional. And how do we, how do we know this to be true? Well, the types of fathers that are celebrated in American culture, are fathers who are not manly men. They are fathers who are passive. They are not leaders in their home. They are responders. They do not practice discipline and self-control. They need to be told what to do by their strong, independent, autonomous wives. They can't make decisions for themselves. Furthermore, Basically, the types of fathers that we see represented in culture and the ones that are um, elevated in culture are those fathers who live in perpetual boyhood. They 
spend as much time working on their video game as they do uh, going to work, like to earn money. So the ha- and the habits and the pastimes of the fathers that are promoted and celebrated in our culture are antithetical to what Scripture would call a real, true father. I would say that, I would go even so far to say that the better representations of fathers that are promoted in our society are not heterosexual fathers who are married to the same woman. In my opinion, the best representations that culture gives, okay, so when you see it on, on television, movies, whatever, the best representation of fathers are gay men who are fathers. And, and they have the noble attributes that used to characterize all fathers uh, and all husbands who, who were um, living according to a Judeo-Christian worldview. Even if they weren't Christian themselves, that was the predominant worldview. So you might be wondering, what, what am I trying to get at? What am I getting at by pointing all of this out? What I'm trying to get at is the fact that because fatherhood has been denigrated in the culture, because fatherhood has been reduced to perpetual boyhood in the culture, we have to be aware that even as Christians, the culture has influence on how we think, how we view fatherhood, and how we act as fathers. Now, now I know that on a basic level, the, the Christian men that I know uh, the Christian men that I encounter in my life, and I'm talking about not just in the last couple of years, but over the course of my life, 25, 30 years, you know, when I really started kind of observing fathers in my, in my teenage years, the Christian men that I know, you know, they understand that it's important to be part of a nuclear family. They understand God's role uh, that has been assigned to them. I'm sorry, they understand that God has assigned them a role to be the leaders of their household. They understand that they are to be self-controlled and disciplined. And yet, and yet I think even though we know these truths, we have a hard time putting these things into practice. I think the cultural pressure, the cultural um, influence that has kind of, that has invaded the church, I think that type of cultural influence um, affects Christian fathers in a way that maybe they're not aware of. And, you know, I, I find myself even at times struggling to do the right biblical thing instead of the lazy thing that is promoted by our culture. You see, our culture wants dads to basically be passive. Our culture wants dads who are weak. Our culture wants dads who are subservient to their wives. Our culture wants dads who don't lead in the discipline and the training of their children. Our culture wants all of those things, and you have to know that Satan is the driver of the culture. Satan and his demonic forces are driving this. And what is he accomplishing? Once again, this is spiritual warfare. He is trying to undermine the very systems that God has established 
from the very beginning. And these systems that God has established are the ideal and the best and the preferred way to live in a culture. Dad is the leader. Mom is the helpmate. Children obey and respect mom and dad. Dad is actively influencing the family life. Dad is actively directing the family life when it comes to both physical things and spiritual things. Satan, of course, wants to undermine all that, and he has done an excellent job. And so my call to you Christian men this Father's Day is to be a dad who loves your family by leading them in discipline. And there's a lot of topics that we could talk about, okay, in terms of being a dad who um, loves his family and wants to do the best for his family. We could talk about some very generic things. We could talk about something like being a good provider. We could talk about somebody who is, you know, just uh, there for you, okay? So he's present. We could, talk, we could talk about some of those things, but that's I really want to drill down into a more specific issue that I see as something that needs to be addressed amongst the Christian community, and that is being a dad who loves his children and his wife by leading them in discipline, okay? And what do we mean by discipline? I mean discipline in the sense of the appropriate instruction and correction that helps your children adopt and practice a biblical worldview, okay? So discipline is, you know, there's there's two definitions for discipline. Discipline is being devoted to practice and learn a task so that you become better at it, okay? That's one aspect of discipline. But another aspect of discipline is where you are correcting somebody for their incorrect application or their incorrect practice of the truth. And I, I, I want to focus a little bit more on that second aspect of discipline. Dads need to be lovers of their children by their discipline. We demonstrate love through the discipline that we bring upon our children. And this is not, um, this is not something that I'm saying so that you have an excuse to just kind of go off and vent anger at your child, but this is exactly what the Bible calls you to do, all right? So here's what Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 says, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Think about that. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. What does God say about fathers? If you don't discipline your son, then you actually hate your son. But if you do love your son, you're willing to discipline him diligently. Now, that word diligently doesn't mean excessively. It doesn't mean violently. It means appropriately and consistently. You're going to be a dad if you love your son or your daughter, you're going to be a dad who exercises consistent, controlled, measured correction for the purpose of helping your child understand that they are a sinner and their sin is an affront against a holy God or an offense against a holy God, and they need to change their behavior. Now, obviously, we're not teaching that uh, there's some type of works-oriented salvation that's going on here. But 
all children need to understand, just as all people should understand, that they are creatures who are created in the image of God, who are under the authority of God, and who will ultimately answer to God. And the only way to bring that about in the life of a child is through the careful, controlled, loving practice of discipline. Okay? So, as a father, how do you then lead in discipline? How do you lead in discipline? Well, first, you have to recognize that is your responsibility. It is God's expectation of you as the father to be the leader of discipline within the home. You should be the one who is helping to set the standards for right and wrong within the home. Now, first of all, you should pick biblical standards. Okay, so I've talked to my children, and they know that when they break very simple commandments that the Lord has given, like, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, okay? When they break those types of things, or um, the best one for children is, you shall honor your father and mother, right? That's the one that is primarily applicable to children. My children understand that when they break those basic commands that are simple to understand, a three, a four, a five-year-old can understand those commands if you explain it to them. When they break those commands, there will be discipline that follows, okay? So you have to be a dad who leads by setting the expectations of what will be tolerated and not tolerated in your home. What should be tolerated are those biblical commands that are easy to understand. And then secondly, the second tier of commands are the commands that you and your wife agree together that help your home operate smoothly and functionally. All right, so this may be something like, um, don't pull the pots and pans out of the cupboard. This could be something like, um, don't eat on the furniture. So you cannot have food on the couch. You can only have food on the table. It could be something like, um, when you get out of game, put the game away. All right, those are functional commands that are different in each home, okay? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap and similarities, but basically different in each home. And the purpose of those functional commands is to help family life be smooth and to teach responsibility and respect for the things that are owned by the family. Dads, you need to be the one who sets these expectations up in the home, okay? And what this means is that you yourself have to exemplify self-control and be an example of self-control in every area. You know, I have my own habits that are difficult, uh, my own tendencies of, of things that kind of bring chaos into family life. One of them, which my wife, if she listens to this, will laugh, is that I, I don't like wearing socks. So when I get home, I take off my shoes and I, I tend to just take off my socks and leave them kind of like folded up in a pile, maybe by the couch or under the kitchen table or somewhere like that. But, you know, there's just sometimes socks all around. I need to be better at setting an example of, okay, I'm taking my socks off. I'm going to go put them away either in the drawer or I'm going to go put them in the dirty clothes basket. If I don't set that example for my kids, how are they going to look at me with respect when I tell them they need to do the same kind of thing? Now, this doesn't mean I'm perfect and it doesn't mean that they're perfect, but if I'm asking them to help the functionality of the house be smooth, if I'm asking them to help improve the quality of home life 
through getting things out and putting them away and eating in certain areas and not eating in other areas, I have to be an example of self-control to kind of follow the laws that I lay down. Now, I think one of the things that undermines dads in discipline is that dads say, well, I'm dad, so I can do whatever I want to, but you have to do everything I say. I think it's important for dads, if you're going to lead in discipline and you're going to love your children, to at least follow to a large degree the things that you ask the other members of the family to do. We don't want to create a two-tiered justice system where dad can do whatever he wants to and children can't. Now, now obviously don't take that idea too far, okay, because there are things that parents, moms and dads, are allowed to do that children cannot do because we're adults and they're not. But in general, you should try to structure the things in home life in such a way that you are willing to do the things that you ask your children to do. And then when your children break those practices, when they break the functional rules that you have established in the home, you need to be consistent in your discipline to them. You see, here in Proverbs chapter 13, 23, it says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. You want to be the kind of dad who is using the rod of correction in an appropriate way to teach your children the limits and the responsibilities that come along with just being a, a human being, okay? We are all people who are under authority, and your children need to understand that they are under authority too, all right? I appreciate, okay, what um, Proverbs chapter 22 uh, and Proverbs chapter 23 says. Let me, let me just go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, 13. Here's what Proverbs 23, 13 says about discipline, okay? Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You will strike him from the rod, and you will rescue his soul from Sheol. You see, the purpose of the rod is both positive and negative. First of all, as a positive, it underscores the importance of obedience. And so when a child receives correction with the rod, it helps them to understand that obedience is important. And from a negative perspective, they learn that there is a consequence to disobedience. So the rod has a dual function. It is both positive and negative. It underscores the importance of obeying God and also provides an example of the consequence of disobedience. Now, when your child is young and you use the rod on your child, okay, when you spank your child, that, uh, that pain lasts for a minute or two, but there's no real lasting consequences for that, okay? There's no long-term damage, but you're teaching your child that there are consequences for sinful behavior. And when they're young and they're doing things like maybe lying to you or stealing from their sibling or not honoring their father and mother, those are things that at that age, you know, maybe three, five, seven, nine years old, even 10, those are things that don't have a long-term consequence for their life. It has an immediate consequence in the sense that they get a spanking, but not a long-term consequence. But what you are doing when you exercise this kind of discipline, is you are teaching your child that sin has consequences. So when you say to your child as they get older, maybe into the teenage years, 
don't become drunk, there's consequences to that, or don't practice fornication, there's consequences to that, or don't run around with the wrong crowd, there's consequences to that. Your child understands that if they violate God's law, there are consequences. And the older they get and the bigger the violation, the greater the consequences. Okay? So dads, if you're not willing to be the leader in discipline, if you're not willing to actively practice the use of the rod on your child or your children, then you are setting them up for greater heartache down the road. This is an important fact. You must consider that what you do now as a father will train them and have effect on them all the way down the line, okay? Now, you might be asking, okay, well, he just said the word spank. That's like a bad word. We can't say the word spank. Well, you know, the Bible talks quite often in the book of Proverbs about spanking and the use of the rod. And so let, let me actually define what it means to use the rod, okay? Use of the rod is the loving, controlled, and timely use of physical punishment, okay? It's loving, it's controlled, and it's timely. This means that the use of the rod is not something that you do when you're trying to vent your anger at your children. In fact, if you are angry and your child deserves a spanking, but you cannot control your anger, it would be better for you to wait 15 minutes than to spank in anger. And I, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that every dad listening to this has probably violated that recommendation. I know I have. But that would be a good recommendation to begin practicing. Don't spank out of anger. Okay, get a hold of your own anger because the corrective measure that needs to be applied needs to be done so in a loving and controlled way. And if you, if you are not loving and controlled, the rod then becomes uh, a tool that is a, a negative and not a positive for your children. Okay, a second thing that you need to consider about the use of the rod, it is not only loving, controlled, and timely, but it needs to be consistent, okay? Dad, you must be consistent in the discipline of your children. It can't just fall to mom all the time. Now, let's be honest, moms probably end up doing more spanking throughout the day than dads just from the simple fact, just based on the simple fact that a mom who has young children at home is going to be with that child all day long. So they may have to spank five, six, seven, eight times in a day, maybe more, you know, maybe less, but they could be spanking a lot just due to the sheer amount of time that they spend with mom. But when dad arrives home or when dad is home on the weekends and discipline issues occur, it would be wise to allow dad to take care of the discipline issues. Why? Because it shows that dad is the ultimate head of the household. Dad is then acting as, his, as the representative between God and the child, which is exactly where God has placed fathers. You know, in the creation order in Genesis chapter 2, God made Adam first and saw that it wasn't fit for Adam to be uh, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he made a, a helpmate for Adam named Eve, that is the woman. So think about this. God made Adam first, and out of Adam he made woman. 
So there's an order in creation. There is an inherent responsibility that fathers have. There is an inherent leadership that fathers have that whether you've asked for it or not, you have because you are the head of the household. God has established it, so you must honor it, okay? Dads, for this reason, because you are the head of the household, because you are the leader, you must, when you are available, be the leader in initiating discipline amongst the children. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the saying that some moms have done, wait till your father gets home, okay? I think that discipline should be dealt with in a timely manner. Uh, that means that moms have a responsibility to use the rod of correction for their children too, or to even use other forms of correction, such as timeouts or taking away privileges. But God's intention is that when dads are home, dads will be the ones who initiate discipline. Dads will be the one who initiate the correction. They are not going to turn over that responsibility to their wives. You see, our culture wants women, wants the wives, to take care of all of these issues. Why? Because our culture has totally rejected the order of creation Our culture has totally rejected the concept and idea of men as leaders, and so men in our culture are allowed to be perpetual boys, and mom has to discipline dad just as much as she disciplines the children. Men, if you are a Christian, you cannot let this be the case in your household. You have to be the leader when it comes to discipline, and this is the loving thing to do. And note, even in the New Testament, okay, so even in the church age, this is a recognized fact, okay? If you go to the book of Hebrews and you look at Hebrews chapter 12, listen to what um, the author of Hebrews writes in 12, beginning in verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure, for God deals with, uh, with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So, men, what we need to learn from this is that as Christians, God will discipline us as we are sons. But the earthly example we have of this is fathers who discipline their sons. Fathers don't discipline those who are not their sons, Okay. I don't go and discipline my friend's children's, my friend's children, excuse me. I discipline my own children. I bring correction upon my own children, okay? Now listen to what the author of Hebrews says. This is a really interesting statement. He says, if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The principle there is that If you are not experiencing the discipline of the Lord at some point in your life, then you're probably not a true child of God. Consequently, the analogy is, if you are not disciplining your child, your son, your blood offspring, if you are not disciplining him or her, then you are not a true father. Like This is how serious the concept of discipline is. This is how important it is to lead in discipline. 
you are treating your offspring as if they are illegitimate, okay? Now, what's the result of discipline? We say, well, my kid's not going to like me. I got to be their friend. I want to be their brother or their, their buddy. Um, that's, that's the rationale for not disciplining. But on the contrary, the author of Hebrews says this, furthermore, we had earthly fathers who, to discipline us and we respected them. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. Okay? Notice, discipline produces respect. If you love your children, you will lead them by disciplining them appropriately, according to God's command, according to God's pattern that He has laid out for us in the scriptures. And that will produce respect between you and the child. You you all know this to be true. I mean, think about it. How many times have you seen an unrespectful or disrespectful child in a grocery store or a restaurant throwing a temper tantrum or a hissy fit and the parent saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to lose this. You're going to lose that. And none of the parent's threats ever have an effect on that child. Why not? Because they never follow through. They don't lead consistently in discipline. And so the child knows he can say or do whatever he wants, and the parent uh, instinctively knows that he can threaten all he wants, but because he hasn't consistently practiced discipline, that child is not going to listen to or respect what he has to say. I've seen it the other way, too. I've seen my friends who are godly fathers have children who misbehave, and they say one sentence to their children, and it straightens them up right away. Because those children know that when their father communicates that they will discipline them, they will be disciplined. They understand that there is a consequence attached to sinful behavior. This is all by God's design. Why? What's the purpose of discipline? Well, it points us ultimately to our need for Christ. You know, we are not born neutral. Your child is not born a neutral, uh, morally neutral being. Your child is born a sinner. Your child is actually conceived a sinner and also born a sinner. Your child is a sinner from the very moment that he was conceived and will continue to sin. Even after repenting and confessing of their sins, children sin. Okay? What does discipline do? The consistent use of discipline points out the child's sinfulness and points them, it should point them, to their need for a Savior. That's what you should be doing as you discipline your children. You point them to their need for your Savior. Son, you have sinned against your mother and I. You have sinned against a holy God. I have to spank you now. God tells me that I need to do this. It's not my favorite thing to do, but because I love you, I am going to give you a spanking. And you know what, son? Your sin has created a barrier between you and God, and you need somebody to take care of that barrier for you. You cannot enter into heaven as a sinner. You need Jesus Christ. And, and then you go from there, and you have an opportunity to share the gospel with your children. Dads, if you lovingly lead in the discipline of your children, it will, number one, take pressure off of your wife. Number two, it will represent God well to your children. 
And number three, it will be the appropriate means to bring your children to a true understanding of the gospel and their need of it. Dads, as you prepare to celebrate Father's Day, as you prepare to enjoy the gift of fatherhood, I want you to consider, are you a dad who is lovingly leading in discipline? Or are you a dad who is passive and stuck in perpetual boyhood and shirking your responsibilities? Dads, don't be like the culture. Be countercultural. Be a dad who leads by loving your children to discipline them according to God's truth. I hope that you are blessed by this message today, and I hope that you will take to heart these important truths about fatherhood. God bless you as you seek to serve Christ in all that you do.